Theatre and Psychology podcast. I am Charlotte Skogsberg, your host for this podcast. I am enchanted to meet and to take you with me on this journey into the human psyche viewed from the holistic approach of yoga and Ayurveda and viewed from the modern man approach of clinical psychology and psychoanalysis. So have something nice to drink next to you, maybe a cup of tea, have a seat, or go out for a nice walk in nature maybe. Enjoy. In this episode that focuses on Ayurveda, I want to speak to you about suppressing natural urges. It's the continuing of last week where I spoke about this from the psychology point of view. And the reason that I want to speak about it from the Ayurvedic point of view, of course, is that this is really where the notion came from and that me personally... I was not paying attention to this idea, probably for two reasons. Number one, that I didn't really know what it actually meant. Or let's say I had a very reduced idea of what it meant. And second one, that I was fully in suppressing mode myself. And so as it is with many things, I had to experience the results of it and get the hmm, comment, let's say, from people helping me dealing with my symptoms in order to understand that I was doing this and then as I was reversing my own pattern, and then experiencing how we can feel when you get the balance back, it created some interesting insights for me in my own personal management of my doshas, management of my life and beliefs of what I'm capable of doing and what um, is natural as well. All right, so as small children, we are taught to control our need for bowel movement and urination. And though this is something that's absolutely serving us, it also lays down the base of a very controlled and scheduled living. This organized way of deciding when to allow the body to relieve itself is far from natural, but instead linked to the convenience of modern lifestyle. My apologies for interrupting the episode for just one minute. I want to let you know that even though the enrollment is now closed for Nourish, Balance, Thrive for this round, it is always open for the coming ones. So you can be on the wait list by simply sending me an email or contacting me on Instagram. You find all the details in the show notes of this episode. 
You can always at any time also get in touch with me for questions and more so for working with me privately, one-on-one sessions, whether this is on a therapeutic level from the clinical psychology perspective or from the Ayurvedic perspective as well. Now back to the episode. However, the natural rhythm of things has been around for much longer than the modern society, as we all know. When we suppress urges, we are creating tension in the system, very similar to the reaction towards external stress. Putting stress onto something actually means to increase tension. The natural urges of the organism are all related to the vata dosha because it's a question of moving energy. And in Ayurveda, uh, we speak about 14 different um, urges that are needed to be responded to, such as flatulence, defecation, urination, burping, sneezing, thirst, hunger, sleep, cough, breathing, yawning, um, crying as tears actually, vomiting and ejaculating. And there's also actually laughter and hiccups that are urges, but they are seen as secondary ones, but they should also be respected. What we tend to forget though is that every single action in our organism, in our body, has a purpose. Nothing happens by hazard. It's natural and necessary to pass gas a certain number of times in the day. The same way that it's necessary to urinate and move our bowel. Most people don't know this, but when your stomach has been filled just to the right amount of food, it releases a small burp. And if we would pay attention to this, we would actually never overeat. And we would also digest everything that we put into our mouth. We yawn for a reason, and that's mainly to actually bring more oxygen into the bloodstream because the brain is in lack of it. And that's why we feel tired before yawning. I had a patient telling me that her medical doctor had his answer to her, let's call it irregular bowel movement, or constipation, because she went about three, once every three or four four days. The answer was that not everyone goes every day. And that is just not true. That is 100% not true. If we eat every day, we poop every day. Actually, my, my teacher so from India told me that she had never encountered the issue of constipation constipation before having Western students. And most of the time, I would even say that constipation in itself is a mental thing. That's a bold statement, I agree. But when you just look at just how scheduled and programmed we are, it really messes with our program, doesn't it, if we um, have to wait for the bowel to move. And the sensation that the need kind of goes away, air quote, (laughs) is the body's response to suppressing the urge. And if we do that, 
more as a regular thing, it will indeed create constipation. Now imagine that all these urges have a drive, which we could translate into the signal from the brain to fulfill the need. And this drive we would name as Vayu in Ayurveda. Or we could also just call it Prana or energy, especially now to make it more clear. And there are five types and there are five types of these energies in the system, each of which has a direction. It either moves upwards, downwards, inwards or outwards. For instance, our elimination process is driven by the downward going energy called apana vayu. And for this reason, we can actually find specific yogic movements or asanas, poses, that stimulates this apana vayu and therefore are recommended for constipation, for example, or PMS, for instance, as a way to stimulate this downward moving energy in the system that is blocked due to the fact that we have been suppressing the urge for defecation, for instance. And so then it becomes blocked and nothing functions. And then it begins to affect other things. So by then adopting these movements, for instance, to help the apanavayu to stimulate again, to start to function properly again, we can therefore allow for our bowel to move. So to sum up just what I have mentioned so far, our organism has natural urges in order to stay healthy and well-functioning. These urges don't happen just like that, but instead come at very specific times due to the body's need for regulation. It's the case, of course, of the bowel movement, just like with thirst, but also yawning or burping, as we have seen today. If we do not listen to these needs, we create a tension in the system, which, just like an external stress element, creates imbalance when maintained or when it becomes a regular thing. Let's just mention that so that you don't get scared. <laughs> it is not because you hold your need to um, urinate or go to the bathroom now and then or once or whatever that this is going to cause big problems. I'm speaking, of course, of a pattern. If we keep suppressing these natural urges, we create an imbalance first in our vata dosha. And when that is prolonged, vata has a tendency to push on pita quite soon. So both vata and pita will tend to go out of balance quite soon. And then kapha will move as well. This tendency to suppress comes from the fact that we live in a schedule that is not taking the urges as a rule of thumb. Right? It's not taking them under consideration. Instead, we have to fit our urges into the schedule even though 
they have existed with us humans as long as we have been here, whereas the schedule is a new invention. This means that such a simple action as taking a look at our response to natural urges can be the first step when we are out of balance. When you are noticing, therefore, this is what I'm saying here, that something is off, whether it's just energetically so that you're noticing it on how your mind feels or how you're feeling emotionally, or that it has started to manifest in the physical form. One of the very first things to do is to simply begin to notice if you are suppressing your natural urges. You make a list of the 14 urges and you become very aware of if you are leaning into them or suppressing them. So why do we buy into this idea? that the schedule would be more important than our natural urges. Well, of course, it has me pointing towards something I've brought up many times, and that is our deeply rooted belief that we are flawed, that we need to modify, manipulate ourselves in order to be good, in order to be accepted, in order to be loved. Why would we not listen to an urge from a body if we trusted the body? Why would we take on these so-called compensatory strategies if we would just live in harmony with nature and our needs? Well, we wouldn't, right? So basically, we are not trusting our body and we are not living in harmony with our needs or with nature. And this is why we suppress the urges. And this is why we experience the tension that we're experiencing on a regular basis. And we're using our comp compensatory strategies, no matter what that is, our distractions, whether it's caffeine, sugar, fat, um, whether it's distractions, through alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, social media. But some of these things I've spoken about many times in the past. And I wanted to bring up a different one today. Very much so, of course, because this is exactly what I was experiencing myself. So a common example of suppressing urges is fasting. And before I take my own personal experience as an example to illustrate this, let me just state that I am absolutely not against fasting. But I do believe that we might not need to fast constantly. And I also think that depending on the constitution of the person, the gender, the time of the year and the age of the person, fasting can be absolutely helpful or detrimental as well. And I wanted to take my own example because I also have noticed that I'm not an isolated case. I'm not an isolated case of this intention for fasting. The fact that it has been 
commonly used now to speak more of eating window and restricted feeding when it comes to this um, intermittent fasting, very much plays in eating disorders. When fasting is used as a way to control the food intake for 15, 16, or even up to 20 hours of fasting per day, people tend to need something to keep going when hunger comes and pokes the door. And so that might be coffee, because that takes away the hunger feeling, right? And I was intermittent fasting for probably three or four years. And I noticed that in, with, along with that, I did have a little bit of an increased caffeine intake. And that increased intake of caffeine would also then play in on my sleeping habits. But not only did it do that, I also noticed that being just that hungry when I finally got to eat, not so strangely, had my body to switch on famine mode, starvation mode. And it was only really when I was told that it seemed as if my body was responding to a starvation mode by, well, first it was um, a woman who does reflexology but then also from a homeopath. And so I started to put two and two together. And then I also got some feedback from specifically women who felt that they were less sharp, like mentally sharp, before lunch while doing this type of fasting. And so that they kind of needed to have their lunch in order to function properly mentally. And that was exactly my experience too. And that have one think that maybe that's not normal, you know. <laughs> it probably is not a good idea that you restricting yourself from something makes you a little bit dull in the head, right? Then something is off. Now, as I said, I'm not against fasting and intermittent fasting. And I do believe that there's a reason that it has become such an enormous trend. So let's, let's just look at that for a second. We see today in the world a rather alarming increase of obesity, of diabetes, of insulin resistance, PCOS for women, and different kinds of thyroid issues as well. But let's look as well at how people are living. Because the reason I say these different issues is that mainly those who promote intermittent fasting and the keto and all of that um, claim that this is to deal with all these things, with the diabetes and the insulin resistance and such. And it does. So I'm not saying that it doesn't. But let's also look at how people are living in general. Because actually they eat at all kinds of strange times, day or night, they don't sleep at all when they should be sleeping. And they very often have a diet that is rather filled with processed food. And so due to this, 
their blood sugar levels are through the roof. And yes, for this, fasting is a wonderful and very efficient tool. But if we look at what Ayurveda suggests, in terms of a daily rhythm, we discover that there is anyway a natural window of fasting because if we would eat according to the Ayurvedic daily rhythm, we would still have at least 13 or 14 hours of fasting every day. And then if we would take in the suggestions of not snacking, so to only eat during the meals really, or potentially having one smaller snack, but that at least anyway there's a three-hour window between each not even meal, but each time we put things into our mouth to eat, right? And to keep lunch as the biggest meal of the day, which means that both breakfast and dinner are actually quite small meals. To sleep around 10 p.m. and then be up with the rising sun. And already when the sun begins to rise, we're moving our body. That in itself has already brought your blood sugar levels into its perfectly normal state. And I haven't even begun to speak about what to eat when I say that. See? So what I see in these kind of solutions that we have a lot today is that those are solutions to toxic relationships, really. It's a toxic relationship to eating that we have. And so instead of changing the relationship, it's to restrain the eating window. And it can work, but it's definitely not granting any trust to the natural urges. And this is what I want to well, conclude with for today. It's that there's so many solutions today to things. And they all go in this same pattern which is really the pattern from western medicine of not really trusting what the body is signaling but instead looking at symptoms that bothers us and then taking on something very often from the outside as a way to suppress that symptom and never really dealing with the root cause. And the thing is, by having that behavior, we're suppressing the natural urges, which means that we're never really finding that harmony, that balance. But much more dangerous, we are never in any of these behaviors switching our relationship to our own organism. Never ever do we trust that maybe the signal from the organism is exactly what we need to listen to. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast and this episode. I am very grateful. If you 
enjoyed this and you think that other people could enjoy this, please help me to spread the word. Share this episode on any channel that you have of social media or messaging. And even more so, I would really appreciate if you know one other person who might benefit from my words today specifically. Take that one minute it takes to simply share this episode with one person. Remember that there's a human being on the other side of your phone, of your earpods, of this microphone. And I would love to hear your thoughts on what I've been talking about. So please leave a comment. Send me a message directly if you wish. This is Charlotte. This is me. See you next time. Namaste. Mm -hmm.